We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Isaiah chapter 54, beginning in verse 1. As you're turning there, let me remind you to be back Wednesday night at 6 o'clock for dinner, 7 o'clock for all of our ministries. And then also those of you ladies who are interested in volunteering for the Natalie Grant concert, I believe it's on February 25th. Don and Wolfers is looking for 20 volunteers. You get in at no cost. Help a little bit and get to enjoy the concert. So see Donner after service. Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 1. Sing, O barren, you who have not borne, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Now we're talking about capacity. We're talking about expanding our capacity for the things of God. We're talking about moving things out of our life so we can receive more from Him. So hear it again. He says these words, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And you shall expand to the right and the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Can I get a little less monitor, Zach? We've got a lot of ringing. Thank you. When we read those words from the Message Bible, verses 2 and verses 3, it says this, Spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing families. And then it goes on to say in verse 4, Don't hold back, you're not going to come up short. Father, in Jesus' name, add your blessing to the ministry of your word. Touch hearts, change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. In His name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I'm talking to you about expanding our capacity by standing on the promises of God. By believing that God's Word is true for you and for me as much as it was the day it was written. You see, there's a lot of times we hear something from the Word or we read the Word or we hear a preacher say something about the promises of God and we think, well, that's good for them, but it doesn't work for me. I don't believe that, folks. I believe that it works for every generation and every people and every race and every tribe and every kindred who choose to believe the Word of God. So this morning, I'm going to challenge you to believe the promises of God, to believe that God's Word is yet true even today, and that if God spoke it, God is bound by His Word to bring it to pass in your life and in mine. I read that again from the message, verse 4. Don't hold back. You're not going to cut up, come up short. See, I believe that's the reason a lot of people do hold back. That's the reason a lot of us never press in. That's the reason a lot of us never get to the place where we can enjoy the full blessing of God in our life because we're afraid he may not do what he said he would do. What if I put my reputation on the line and then God doesn't come through? What if I declare His promise, and then for some reason I don't understand and can't explain, it doesn't occur in my life? Friend, the Word tells us very clearly, don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You and I need to get that in our spirit and in our mind this morning, and we need to understand God is not a man that He should lie, 
nor the Son of Man that he should repent. If God spoke it, it's going to come to pass. So regardless of the promise that he's spoken over your life, you need to hang on to it. You need to stop worrying and fretting about coming up short, and as a result, you pull back. You need to press in and hang on. Do you realize there are over 3,000 promises from God to his people in the Bible? Over 3,000. Surely, no matter your situation, you can find at least one you can hang on to. At least one you can stand on. I like the way Paul said it to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. He says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it's God who both makes, makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I think about that and I remember that video we just watched. It's amazing that Sadie and Antonio chose that little boy and made him their own. He put their seal on him. His name was changed to Figueroa. He became a part of their family. And because of that, they then guaranteed that they would take care of him, they would raise him, they would nurture him, they would provide for him, and they would even make him a Seminole. It's amazing, isn't it? Do you understand the same thing has happened to you and I through God and his promises? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, God puts his seal of ownership on us. We then live in his family. Oh, I'm adopted. You're adopted. We've been adopted through Jesus Christ and we're a part of the family of the living God. We now live in the love of God and know the promise of God each and every day of our lives. I'm so glad that I can read that scripture and understand that God is guaranteeing my future. That's the promise of God. He guarantees our future. No matter what the promise God has made, it's always yes in Jesus Christ. It's not maybe. It's not well when the time is right. It's not, well, if you perform properly, then the promise is yes. No, the promise is yes in Jesus Christ. Look at the second part of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Reading it from the New International Version, it says, So through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen literally means establish. So we need to understand the promises of God are there, but you and I have to establish them in our lives. We have a role to play in establishing that promises. And how do we do that? By believing them, by standing on them, by declaring them, by proclaiming them, by making them the mantra of our life. We understand I am a child of the living God. God loves me and cares for me. God has rescued me and redeemed me. God has invested the life of his own son in my future. He died and rose again from the dead so that the same power that dwells in him now dwells in me. Oh, come on, folks, get it in your spirit. We're a part of a family. And when we declare the promises of God, we're declaring the ownership and the care of the Father over our lives. It's time to stop moaning and groaning 
It's time to cancel the pity party and begin declaring the promises of God. God is great and God is able and God is good and God is worthy and God is faithful and God is true. Now listen, I'm not talking about you trying to convince God of something. There's been some bad theology in the church through the years that say, I've got to force God to do what God said he was going to do. No, you don't. If you're standing in his promises and living in his promises, it's simply a matter of declaring, Father, this is what you said to me. This is what you declared in your word. So, Father, I need you to do what you said you're going to do. Oh, do you understand? We don't have to worry about finances. Why? Because he has already said, I know you have need of these things. And if you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, all these things are going to be given unto you. Church, it's time to come back to the promises. It's time to stand on the authority of God's word and recognize God's already made it happen. All he's waiting is for you and I to say amen. For you and I to establish the promise in and over our life. Let me ask you, when was the last time you ever spoke God's promise over your situation? See, too many times we talk to everybody but God. We read everything but the word of God. We consult everything except what God would have to say in his counsel. And as a result, we find ourselves as confused as a termite and a yo-yo. We don't know what to do because we're looking in the wrong place. Paul said the promises of God are established by you and I, and we establish them when we declare them. So quit telling me how bad your life is because that is not the word of God. The Word of God says you are ransomed, you are redeemed, you are the pearl of great prize. The Word of God says when you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That's how God shows His love to you and me. We need to understand the Word of God is what we build our lives on. Not the Word of man, not the Word of our counselor, not the Word of our spouse, not the Word of our neighbor, not the Word of our friends, certainly not the Word of the media. It's on the Word of God. That we build our lives and we stand on his promises. Marjorie, would you come here and help me for a minute, please? I love Marjorie. She, uh, she is a nurse at one of our local hospitals. Beautiful young lady, and she's about the size of a mite. You know what I mean? You know, several years ago, I, uh, actually a long time ago, now that I think about it, when I was in college, I worked at a radio station. and I was on air, and I also sold advertising. And part of my job was to go out and find new sponsors for that advertising. And I went to a new gym that was just opening up. The owner of the gym said, yeah, I'd love to advertise with you, but really, before I can do that, you probably should come and try us out. I said, okay, no problem. He said, I'm going to give you a personal trainer, and they're going to help you get bulked up and get strong. Okay, no problem. Understand, I'm in my early 20s. I'm a farm boy. There's nothing I've ever took a hold of that I couldn't move. I was strong. And so I walked into that gym that day, and I ran into a little gal about the size of Marjorie. And she is my personal trainer. And I'm thinking, this is some kind of a joke. I could lift her up with one hand and throw her 50 feet. This is a joke. She just smiled at me, so, just like Marjorie's doing, just smiling at me. And she said, come on, Steve, I'm going to show you how we're going to work those muscles. And she took me in, and she started on all the weights, and she said, how much can you lift? I said, oh, as much as I need to. It's never been a problem. When I was 14, I could carry a 100-pound tractor weight in each hand and put them on the front of a tractor. It was never a problem. So she loaded up that weight bar just like this one over here, and she says, let's see what you can lift. 
If she put 200 on it, wasn't a problem. 220, wasn't a problem. When she got to 250, I started having a problem. <laughs> it was a problem. And as she worked me out that day, it was an hour and a half of pure torture and agony. An hour and a half of someone doing things to my body that should never have been done. I could feel those muscles ripping and tearing. It was horrible. And do you know, Marjorie, for a week after that, I walked like this. I could hardly move because she forced me to do things I wasn't used to doing. Thank you, Marjorie. You can be seated. See, we need to understand when we stand on the promises of God, it's not necessarily a natural thing. It's going to force some things in us that are contrary to what we think and believe. It doesn't matter how well you have done in your job. When you come to a point where you have to stand on the promises of God rather than your own ability, your own talent, your own education, your own experience, it's going to force some things in you. Chris, would you come and help me this morning? We need to understand that uh, standing on the promises of God is a matter of repetition. It's a matter of doing it over and over and over again. It's a matter of believing that what God has said is also true. Now, all of you know Chris Anariva. He's our college and young adult, young adult pastor. I looked like him when I was 20. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> you shouldn't. It's not true. Not true at all. Chris and Daniel always asked me to go to the gym. I've already done that once. I'm not going back. Not interested. Thank you. I remember how bad that felt. So, Chris, you're a weightlifter, right? Well, let me get you a mic. They need to hear you. You're a weightlifter, right? Yes, sir. And when did you start lifting weights? Uh, like when I was around 12. 12. So middle school. Mm-hmm, middle school. And how much could you lift the first day you lifted weights? Around 100, 135. 1 to 135. That's not a lot, is it? Mm-hmm. Now, now, Nancy Kugel thinks that's a lot. That's what she <laughs> lifts every day. So when you started lifting weights, how much can you lift right now? Right now, my last match was um, 425. 425 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So how long did it take you to get to 425 pounds? About 15 years. 15 years. That's a long time. That's another reason I don't go to the gym. It takes way too long. A long time. So let me ask you, what happens if you don't lift weights on a regular basis? You lose strength. Show us that. Show us some strength there. You lose strength, he says, if you don't do it on a regular basis. It's about 150 pounds on that bar. That's no problem, is it? That's no sweat. Some guy that can lift 425 pounds, he can do this all day. We may make him. What do you think? Just keep doing the reps, Chris. Just show us how easy it is, and you're going to sell gym memberships today. That's good. So you can go ahead and set it down. Let me ask you, Chris, what happens if you don't lift for a while? You lose strength. How do you lose strength? I don't understand that. You're a strong guy. I mean, look at those muscles. How do you lose that? By not practicing this every day or every other day, you got to have a routine. You have to keep doing it and doing it. When you stop doing it, you lose strength. Very good. So do you have to eat a special diet in order to be this strong? Yes. What do you have to eat? A lot of protein. A lot of protein. Does that mean meat? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, lot, I like that. Red yeah. meat, right? Yeah. Lots of steak. Yeah. Potatoes. Potatoes. All Chicken. right. I love that. Chicken. <laughs> Lots of protein. Lots of protein. So what is your ultimate goal? Where do you want to be? <clears throat> I want to be able to bench 500. 500? <laughs> yeah. You're at 425 now. How long is it going to take you to get to 500? I don't know. It's going to take a while. Like, it takes a while to go up five pounds. Five pounds makes a big difference. Five pounds makes a big difference. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you would think if you can lift 225, 230 wouldn't be a sweat. Mm-mm. But 230 is a sweat. Wait. Or, excuse me, 430 is a mm-hmm. sweat. 
That is amazing. Thank you, Chris. Here's the application, folks, and you need to remember it. If you're going to go strong in the Lord, expand your capacity, then you've got to do it through repetition. Chris said that he started lifting and lift 100, 135 pounds. Now he can lift 425 pounds, but it took years to get there. Listen to me. The whole Christian walk is about a process. It's about growing in God. It's about expanding your capacity for more of Him and who He is and allowing Him to become larger in you. I assure you that when Chris started lifting weights, he doesn't look like he looks now. He was probably a little skinny kid, you know. Uh, but now he is bulked up. He's big. He's huge. He's swole. You know what I mean? You didn't think I knew that word, did you? Yeah, I do. I don't go to the gym, but I know the lingo. I can talk the talk. I just don't walk the walk. It took a process. It took time. And to get to his goal, it's going to take more time because even five pounds is a lot more weight. So you need to realize that when we start standing on the promises of God, we aren't going to go from God forgive me to being a mighty warrior and a powerhouse in the kingdom of God. It's a process. You got to grow up. You see, when you look at the life of David, David didn't start out fighting a giant. He started out tending sheep and killing bears and lions. And that took him to fighting the giant. You and I have to realize it's a process. You have got to determine what my life is going to be anchored on, the promises I'm going to build my life on, and then allow God to do something great in you. There's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. Surely you can find one that will apply to your life and your situation today. And as you begin to speak God's truth over your life, as you begin to declare God's promises over your life, as you begin to establish God's promises over your life, you see them come to pass. Paul Ladd shared with us just a few weeks ago that the doctors have said there was nothing more they could do for him, go home and die from cancer. But he turned to the promise of God. He turned to the faithfulness of Jesus. He began standing on the promise. And just a few weeks ago, they told him the cancer is in remission, not because of medicine, but because of Jesus. Oh, come on, folks, you need to get it in your spirit. Our God honors His promise when we establish them in our lives. But if we fail to establish them, they're never going to come to pass. If we fail to declare them, they're never going to come to pass. It's time, somebody needs to hear this. It's time for you to stop saying, I'm a drunk, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. That is not declaring the promises of God over your life. The promise of God is whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. The promise of God is if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You see, establishing the promise of God happens between your ears. It means changing the way you think and the way you speak so that God can be honored in every aspect of your life. Regardless of your circumstance, believe God's promise. No matter what it looks like, believe God's promise. Why? Because circumstances always change, but God never changes. Circumstance always alters, but God never changes. You say, well, I'm not sure I have to do that. Why couldn't God just snap his fingers or wave his wand and make that promise come true? Well, he could, but he's chosen not to. 
He's chosen to engage you and me in activating that promise. He's chosen to teach us that in order for us to see the goodness of God and the blessing of God, we first have to taste and see. There is action required on our part in order to activate or establish that promise in and over our lives. You see, God's established a world that's governed by both physical and spiritual laws. Physical laws say very simply that if I jump off this platform, I'm not going up, I'm going to the floor. I'm not going to do it. But if I did, I wouldn't go up, I would go down because gravity pulls me down. It's a physical law. We need to understand that. But we also need to understand that when Jesus said to Peter, Peter saw him walking across the water, and he said, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. When Peter stepped out of that boat and began walking across the water, physical law no longer applied because he was walking on the promise, on the word of the living God. Hear me, folks. It's time you and I got the promises in our heart, and we understand that when we declare, when we establish the promises of God in and over us, God does something great. See, a promise from God is simply a declaration of something he will do or a refrain from doing something. It's one or the other. I will do or I won't do. And a promise is grounds for expectation. So when I read the word of God, it should ignite faith in my spirit. I should expect something to occur. What does Hebrews 1 say? It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. From the message, it says, it is the handle on what you hope for. I like that. See, promise brings expectation. It says that God has declared he's going to do this in and over my life, so I will declare, establish his promise over me. I expect him to do what he said he would do. It's God's promises that sustain our spiritual lives. It's God's promises that fuel our fire and our passion for Him. It's God's promises that make me want to shout a little louder than before. That make me want to dance a little harder than before. That make me want to worship a little deeper than before. Why? Because the promise says, draw nigh to God and I'll draw nigh to you. See, we need to understand the promise of God brings an effect into our lives when we begin to establish it in and over our lives. 1 Peter 1.4 says, He has given us these exceeding great and precious promises, that through these we might be partakers of His divine nature. Now let me stop you. Don't go all crazy on me. You are not going to become a god. Not going to happen. But what it says to me when I read that scripture, he's going to give me a promise, and that promise is going to change my nature from the inside out. He's going to conform me to the image and the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. He's going to make me a son or a daughter of the Most High God. So when God gives you a promise, or maybe I should say, when you get a revelation of the promise that God has given... You need to hang on to it. You need to focus on it. You need to pray it. You need to speak it. You need to declare it because God is doing something inside of you that will eventually be seen on the outside. See, before he ever changes the circumstance, he changes the person. 
And when you allow Him to change the person, then you can cope with the circumstance until it changes. That's why Paul said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You remember the story, 2 Corinthians 9, three times he prayed that this thorn in the flesh would be removed from him, and three times he didn't get an answer. Finally, God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. In your weakness, my strength is perfected. Oh, come on, church, we need to understand that's a promise from God. It doesn't matter what I'm facing, what I'm encountering, what I'm up against. If I've got the promise of God in me, doing something in me, changing in me from the inside out, I can face the circumstance. I can face the problem. I can run toward the enemy. And I can declare I have a show word from the Lord, and it's greater than what I'm seeing and experiencing. I can stand on the promise of God. When God gives you a promise and you get that revelation, focus on the promise, not your problem. And I didn't ask permission, but I hope you will forgive me for sharing this. Because she told me on Thursday of this last week that she had a promise she stood on. They had lost a child. The doctor said, you'll have no more children. You need to have a hysterectomy. But God had given her a different promise. And that promise is right back up there in the CG booth. David, if you'd wave at me so everybody can see you. 18 years old, the promise of God right back there. Come on, folks. When you hear the promise of God, it doesn't matter the circumstance. You don't focus on the problem. You focus on the promise. And you declare, my God is able. And he will carry me through. He will deliver me. He will cause his word to come to pass in my life. King David said it this way in Psalm 119.31. I cling to your testimonies. Do not put me to shame. Let me go back to our text from the message. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Someone said that's a lot of money to raise in 60 days. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Come on, it's time to buy in, to believe that God is able, to refuse to accept the negative naysayers in our lives and to say, this is what God declared, God will make it pass. Don't hold back, you're not going to come up short. So what are your fallback promises? All of us should have some. When life gets rough, we have to know what we go back to. What do we believe? You see, I've got a fallback promise for this church. That was at three and a half years ago. Two of my friends called me on the same day and said, you ought to think about Christian heritage. Yvonne and I began to pray, and God showed it very clearly to our heart before he showed it to you, that this was our destiny, this was our future. So every time I think, God, why isn't it happening the way I thought it would happen? He takes me back to that promise. I'm going to do what I said I would do. I will use you to build my church. What is your fallback promise? What do you go back to? When things are difficult, what do you rely on? Zach quoted it before. When he said the words from John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So my question to you this morning is, have you accepted that as a fallback promise? Do you understand how much God loves you? He loves you so much that he gave his only son on a cross to die for your sins. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. But God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a fallback promise for me. 
It tells me that no matter how ornery I am, no matter how crossways I may become, God loved me enough when I was still a rotten, rank, no good, dirty, low-down sinner, His Son died for me. Oh, that's an encouragement. That's a fallback promise. John 3.16 is a fallback promise. God loved me enough that He gave His own Son. All I have to do is believe on Him. And if I believe on Him, the fullness of that promise comes to pass in my life, and I receive eternal life. It's a fallback promise. Another fallback promise is John 14, 27. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. We're living in a very troubled time. We're living in a divided nation. We're living at a time when peace is escaping the majority of our nation. Isn't it time that you and I as born-again believers begin to declare, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. How about 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, where he said it this way, Casting all your care upon him, because he cares for you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, quit worrying, let me handle it. That's a fallback promise. Cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. How about Psalm 37? Where David wrote these words, in the days of famine, I will be satisfied. Oh, come on, that's a fallback promise. That reinforces Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's a fallback promise. How about Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the thoughts I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace and, evil, and of evil peace and not of evil, to bring about an expected end. I like the way the message says that it says to bring you hope and future. Oh, come on, that's a fallback promise. When I don't know which way to go and I don't know what to do, when I don't have clear direction, I can stand on Jeremiah 29, 11, because you said, you know the plans you have for me. And they are plans of peace and not of evil, to bring about hope and future in my life. Where's your fallback promise? What do you stand on? When you don't know what to do, when the waves are blowing in your life, when the winds are coming, what do you stand on? I often turn to Psalm 126. I referenced it in the email I sent out on Friday. I remember these words where the Bible says, And they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. But he who continually goes forth weeping or sowing. All right? Same thing there. Bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What does it say? It says the harvest is ensured. It says the outcome is determined. It says that if we keep sowing the word of God in our lives and in the lives of those around us, there's coming a day when we come walking back with those sheaves with us. Do you know what a sheave is? That's a farming term. It's representing a stalk or a, a, a shock of grain that's bundled all together and the heads are still on the grain. And he's saying that when you go forth sowing in tears, one day you're going to come back rejoicing, bringing the harvest with you. Oh, come on, friend, hear it this morning. Maybe your children are in rebellion. Maybe things are difficult at work. Maybe every day you sow in tears. But I've come to tell you there is a promise of God that says when we sow in tears, there is a day coming when we're going to reap in joy. We're going to bring the harvest with us. We will not be empty-handed. Oh, you're not going to come up short when you stand on the promises of God. When you believe God's Word is true. 
over a hundred years ago, the Philadelphia Church in Stockholm, Sweden, sent out two missionary couples to the Congo of Africa, David and Sylvia Flood and Joel and Bertha Erickson. When they got to Africa and to the Congo, they literally macheted their way through the jungle to establish a mission station with an unreached tribe of people. For the entire first year, they had zero converts. The natives were very, very resistant to the gospel, didn't want to offend their gods. But every morning, a little five-year-old boy would bring a basket of fresh eggs and sell them to Mrs. Flood. And every morning, she would talk to that little five-year-old boy about Jesus. They'd been there about a year when the floods became pregnant and when she delivered a beautiful little girl named Anna. But 17 days later, Mrs. Flood passed away. She died. Her husband David built a coffin with his own hands, dug the grave, buried her in the Congolese jungle. And then he gave his three-week-old daughter to the Bergs. And he went back to Sweden. He crawled inside of a bottle trying to drown his pain. And for 50 years, he drank. For 50 years, he told everybody he knew, don't you even speak the name of God in front of me. I don't want to hear it. The birds took Anna, and they raised her for a couple of years, and then within three days of one another, both of them died. They were poisoned by by the natives they were trying to reach. So an American missionary couple took her, and they adopted her, and they brought her back to the States. Their name was Erickson, raised her in South Dakota. When she graduated from high school, she went to a Bible school in Minnesota, and there she met a man by the name of Hurst. She and Dr. Hurst went on to pastor churches across the United States. And on their 25th wedding anniversary, they were given a trip to Sweden for an anniversary gift. They were going not to celebrate, they were going to find Anna's father. And they spent days looking, walking the streets, talking to everybody they could. They couldn't find him. Finally, on the day before they left, Someone told him there's a guy named David in a ramshackle apartment building up there drinking himself to death. Matter of fact, he's almost dead. He's dying of cirrhosis of the liver. So they went and they knocked on that door. And sure enough, they found Anna's father, David, at that place. And when he opened the door for him, she threw her arms around him and she said, Papa, it's Anna. It's Anna. And that man broke down and began to cry. And for the first time in years, the remorse, the heartache, the bitterness began to flow away. And he said, I never intended to give you away. Never intended for that to happen. So after 50 years, a father and a daughter were reconciled together and reconciled with their heavenly father for all of eternity. Now here's the rest of the story. Five years later, Anna and her husband, Dewey, were attending a worldwide church conference in England. One of the speakers the first night was a general superintendent of the church named Ugada, who was from from, uh, Zaire. And as he spoke that night, he referenced that he had grown up in the Congo, in that particular portion of the Congo where Anna was born. So after the service, she went to him and she said, Sir, Do you happen to know the name of this village and called it by name? And he said, actually, that's where I was born and raised. She said, sir, do you happen to remember missionaries by the name of Flood? And he said, oh, yes, every morning when I was a little boy, I would take eggs to Mrs. Flood's door, and she would tell me about Jesus. 
And then she died and they left and I never knew what happened to them or to their little girl. I always wondered if she ever knew I was her first convert. He said, just last week, I went back to that grave and I put flowers on that grave and I, I thanked the Lord that she gave her life so that today hundreds of thousands of us could know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. With that, she looked him in the eye and she said, I'm Anna. I'm that little girl that you never knew what happened to. And he said, thank you for allowing your mother to die so that we could live. Oh, come on, folks. I want you to hear it today. When we go forth weeping, sowing precious seed, we doubtless shall come again rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with us because that is the promise of God. That's what God is determined to do. Stand your feet with me. You're in this room this morning. And you desperately need a promise from God. You desperately need a word from God. You desperately need to know that God has not forgotten you, that He's still faithful to you, and that His promise is effective in and over your life. Right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray that you touch every heart and every soul in this room. For those that are struggling, for those that are filled with doubt and discouragement, for those that are looking for direction, speak to their hearts right now. And open this altar that they may hear the word of God and receive the promise of God. And they may have expectation arise within their spirit for what you have promised to do in their lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted the promise of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. You've never accepted that promise. But this morning you want to. You want to accept the promise of God and let God change your life right where you stand. That's you. Slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Steve. I want God to come into my life. Slip that hand up and hold it. I'm going to acknowledge it in just a moment. Anyone as I wait just a minute, that's me. Pray for me. I want God to come into my heart and come into my life. I'm speaking to everyone in this room today. If you're in a tough spot, if you're in a hard place, if you need to hear from God today, you need His promise to be activated in your life, then right now I want you to step out and come. And we're going to pray with you and pray for you. And God is going to do that as you establish, as you declare His promise in and over your life. Step out and come right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Step out and come. Worship team, come back. The song says, Te Amo. He loves us. He loves us. I want you to sing it out with them this morning. Recognizing the love of God. Come on. Don't wait for anybody else. God's speaking to you. Come this morning and find a place in this altar where you can agree with God and stand on God's Word and believe that God is able. Sing it out this morning. Tayama, you continue to come as they sing today. Our prayer is that God will take this Word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church, 
Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.